Welcome to the Global Governance Perspective, a podcast presented by the Global Governance Institution. I'm retired Captain Andy Tian, the founder and the president of the Global Governance Institution. Following the previous episode on the first part of the GGI webinar on China-Philippines Maritime Economic Cooperation Forum, in this episode. We will share the second part of the GGI webinar on China-Philippines Maritime Economic Cooperation Forum. Here is the record of the webinar. Dr. Ming Junchao, he is our research fellow from South China Sea Fishery Research Institute of Chinese Academy of Fishery Sciences. Uh, Dr. Ming Junchao will share the idea on fishery cooperation. So just as um, Professor Anna said, so we should focus on some function, function field, just like maybe uh, facial management. So the Philippines is uh, an agriculture country with plenty of people dependent on fishery. Well, China is also an ever, ever agriculture, very highly benefit agriculture technicals. So fishery might be an important function field at our two countries can carry out our cooperation. Okay, so Dr. Ming Jinshao, please. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Cherish. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's my great honor to attend this webinar on cooperation on the protection of uh, marine environment law enforcement. So uh, I'm just from the South China Sea Fishery Research Institute of Chinese Academy of Fishery Sciences, which has been undertaking the subtropical and tropical fisheries and aquaculture in along the South China Sea. And it is affiliated to the Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Affairs. Uh, today, my topic is about the status and fishing challenges and the proposed fields of China-Philippines cooperation in fishery sector. The first part is just the review of the cooperation in fisheries between our two countries. Uh, based on my studies, and I personally divided the development, uh, the, the cooperation into four phases. The first one is uh, the non-governmental and assistance forms. This period just before 2004. During this period, um, there were many international training programs like uh, which were founded by the FAO and the UNDP and even the Chinese government for uh, China aid training programs and also the regional leading center of the NACA also have uh, has conducted the, some customized training programs like the integrated fish farming for especially for the Philippines. And the, the second phase is about incorporation into the intergovernmental cooperation mechanisms. That period lasted 2004 to 2010. During this period, uh, sorry, uh, this period in uh, on September 1st of 2004, the MOU on fishery cooperation between the Ministry of Agriculture of China and the Department of Agriculture of the Philippines was signed, and uh, uh, which has been, uh, which was witnessed by the two presidents of both countries, which uh, the both sides has reached a consensus to establish China-Philippine Joint Committee on Fisheries 
uh, in uh, JCF in short. And after that, uh, next year in 2004, uh, 2005, the first JCF meeting was held in Manila. And uh, also during this period, uh, a deep, deep water cage culture space for the sea bass and the golden profit in Subic Bay in the Philippines was uh, established by, by the Chinese and Philippines enterprises and to produce the seafood for the local market and Chinese market. And the third fish is an uh, interruption period uh, uh, which lasted 2010 to 2016 due to the uh, intense bilateral intense relations. So during this period, the cooperation on fisheries uh, has been stagnant. And after that, after that since to, uh, the end of the 2016, uh, we have restarted uh, the cooperation in fisheries and uh, have actively made great uh, achievements uh, and uh, for the practical uh, cooperation in fishery sector, because uh, during this period uh, the the bilateral relations have been consolidated and enforced. So, so the the first one is uh, in 2016 the the action plan for agricultural cooperation between the Ministry of Agriculture of China and Department of Agriculture uh, of the Philippines was signed in 2016. Uh, in this action plan, there are many um, cooperation uh, contents like the capacity uh, building, aquaculture, aquatic products processing, uh, uh, and so on. And the, uh, the both sides have uh, actively to promote this, uh, this the cooperation of these fields. And in 2017, the Sino-Filipino uh, Philippines tech, uh, uh, Fisheries Technical Training and Exchange was held by, uh, by the South China Sea and uh, South China Sea Fisheries Research Institute with uh, strong uh, support uh, and guidance of the Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Affairs. During this activity, the, there are 17 uh, fishery that uh, fishery officials has uh, have been have have paid a visit to the South China Sea Fishery Research Institute and get some training, and then in on April 26, 2017, the second JCF meeting was held in Manila, and that, uh, at this meeting, uh, the our our. Uh, West Minister of uh, of the Ministry of Agriculture has witnessed uh, some uh, cooperation agreements uh, signing, and uh, and then uh, the MOU between the Ministry of Agriculture and the Department of Agriculture of the Philippines on uh, donation of the Lipot Coral Grouper seeds by the Ministry of Agriculture of the China was signed on on November fifteenth, two thousand seven. And also at the same year, at the end of the same year, the Chinese fishery delegations uh, has paid the visit to the Palawan, include uh, to like the Western Philippine universities and also the other uh, research facilities to promote the fishery cooperation and the investment of the enterprises. And since 2017, uh, in totally the 200,000 Lipot coral groupers seeds and 20,000 freshwater fish fries 
that includes loach, big head carp, wuchang bream, and grass carp, have been donated to the local uh, fish farmers and the hatcheries to promote the mariculture uh, practices and also the jinpo improvement of the local hatchery. And uh, also in next year, in 2018, the MOU on Marine culture, technical cooperation and exchanges among the South China Sea Fisheries Research Institute and the Palawan Council State Sustainable Development Staff and also DAB4 Region 4 uh, was signed uh, in, in, in that year uh, to promote the marine culture uh, in, uh, in these years. And also, uh, uh, that's mainly the, for the, the uh, for the JCF uh, JCF uh, mechanisms. And the other mechanisms is about the BCM, as uh, Dr. Uh, Yang Yang mentioned, the, the BCM. And this BCM uh, BCM the, since uh, the third to the sixth meeting, the in the technical working group on fisheries. Uh, we have attended this uh, technical working group and uh, the both sides of the delegations uh, from the Philippines and uh, China has uh, had practic uh, productive uh, exchanges of views on the ways and also active achievements to enhance maritime cooperation in the area of the fisheries. And uh, we also have identified some cooperation priorities in the coming years. And uh, and this, uh, and then it's about the third uh, JCF meeting uh, was held in Be in Beijing in July in 2019. That both sides reviewed and gave the hype appraisals of the China and Philippines fishery cooperation, exchanged views in depth on issues of common interest, and reached consensus on the way forward for uh, for fishery cooperation in the fields of the marine culture, technical training, and uh, and the civics, uh, civics research and uh, uh, technical innovations sector. And this also since uh, 2017, um, because of the, the good and stable uh, bilateral uh, bilateral ties and uh, which has created uh, the very good and also stable uh, cooperation and uh, investment uh, climate. The more Chinese enterprises have invested in aquaculture sector and trade. So like uh, in the field of the, like the deep sea cage culture of economic species like groupers, uh, lobsters and the tilapia stream and also the trade of the seaweeds. The, the following two pictures just taken by the Chinese ent enterprises uh, in, 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 in the Philippines. They have conducted some deep sea cage culture and uh, have created the employment uh, and also increased the local or the, the local feature folks income. And also uh, that I mainly for above uh, mentioned are uh, mainly for the bilateral uh, cooperation and the other one is for the multilateral cooperation mechanisms like uh, mainly, they are mainly uh, just the policies uh, dialogues like the EAS workshop on the maritime cooperation, the sustainable and responsible fishery management, which was held on November 17th to 19th, uh, 2019 Manila. And that, uh, this, uh, at this meeting, uh, Chinese delegation and also the Philippine delegation has uh, made presentations on the, on the policies and management measures on sustainable and uh, responsible fisheries. 
and uh, and the other one is about uh, uh, the Asian China Joint Working Group on the information of the declaration on the conduct of parties in the South China Sea. They uh, the which uh, the, the Vietnam uh, has. Uh, uh, organized the workshop on the promoting cooperation in ensuring just and the human treatment of the fishermen uh, in the South China Sea. We also have attended this workshop and make uh, make uh, made uh, the presentations on the, about the policies and the measures uh, to uh, to to make the to to prevent the the, the to how to say to. Uh, to protect the life uh, and also to make sure the safety and the security of the fishermen in the South China Sea. So uh, the, the above all are mainly for about the achievements, uh, especially the, you know achievements for the fishery cooperation, especially since uh, 2017. So uh, I just uh, make a summary for the bilateral fishery cooperation. I think the the key factor is the uh, or, or the principle is just the mutual benefit and win-win cooperation for the common sector development because uh, the we we uh, the, the the both countries just uh, uh, just lies uh, located uh, along the South China Sea. We are all the coastal states states. Uh, most of the people or millions of the people uh, depends on the fishing and fisheries. So we need to uh, to make some uh, efforts to uh, to promote the sector development. And uh, I think the first one is the government uh, government that because uh, the bilateral ties uh, is very important. And uh, so that means uh, the G two B channel G two G channel will uh, will. How to say identify the cooperation priorities for both countries and uh, and uh, created the good uh, atmosphere for the cooperation. And the other one is the research institutions because uh, uh, even like the South China Sea Fisheries Research Institute and the others like that other universities in China, we have uh, um, done a lot of research work in uh, subtropical and tropical fisheries and also even the, the freshwater fisheries and uh, also in Philippines, like Western Philipp Philippine universities and also the other uh, uh, research institutions under the DAPFAR, we have, uh, the, 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 the different advantages. We have the potential for cooperation in the field of the research. Like, uh, uh, and also we, we, our Chinese delegation also uh, would like to provide some technical support to, for the local farmers. And the other one is a business because business is uh, is uh, it's very important for 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 the uh, income increase for the local farmers and also uh, generate the the, the uh, employment. And uh, uh, because uh, during the the past years uh, we have established a very uh, good. Uh, cooperation channels, but uh, I just uh, uh, summarize that the, the challenges is mainly about the impacts of the COVID pandemic, because uh, like the bilateral talks and also scientific cooperation and ac uh, academic exchanges, technical training uh, and transfer, in, even the investment and aquatic product trade have, have to stop or, 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 or cannot be uh, promoted due to the <coughs> travel restrictions. <coughs> Uh, I, I just uh, have the feedback from Chinese enterprises because uh, uh, they cannot or, or cannot uh, deliver their inputs 
uh, to the Philippines to improve the facilities of the culture. So because of the, the travels, so that is a very uh, very important uh, 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 factors uh, which has hindered uh, the, the cooperation. But uh, uh, since 2020, under the strong support and guidance of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Affairs of China, uh, we have uh, uh, been conducting the online technical trainings for the Southeast Asian countries, including the Philippines. Uh, uh, even now, there is uh, the one technical training uh, being undertaken. Uh, there are totally uh, 48 uh, Filipino uh, fisheries uh, officers and also managers and, uh, and uh, also the technical staff of the enterprises in the Philippines attended the, the technical training, including like the management systems in China and also even some technical, technical innovations, including the sea, uh, the fish, uh, shellfish, and uh, also even the seaweeds and the others. And uh, by the way, at the, on the May, uh, of this year, we also have uh, conducted an online workshop on the sustainable uh, fishery development along the South China Sea. Also, the uh, four delegates from the Philippines uh, attended this uh, uh, workshop and uh, delivered the presentations. So uh, the third part is about the proposed uh, cooperation fields in the fishery sector. As uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, you can see the picture that just the President Marcos uh, uh, met, met with uh, China State Councilor and Foreign Minister Wang Yi. Uh, during this their, their meeting and talks, uh, China, we, we have expressed that uh, willing, we are willing to carry out the cooperation with the Philippine side in the four key areas of large-scale agriculture, fishery, large-scale infra infrastructure and energy, and also even culture and people-to-people -people exchanges. So uh, the large-scale agriculture, of course, and certainly includes the fisheries and aquaculture. So we should do something to promote the, uh, the, the bilateral ties. And uh, as I know, I also know the new government or, or, or administration uh, uh, is, uh, is uh, 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 formulating the Philippine development plan for the next five years. Uh, I think also the, the, like the fishery sector also will be included. And uh, we also... Or want to cooperation in this field. So I just list some uh, cooperation fields. The first one is as uh, Dr. Dr. Bobby and Chuarun, and also the chairs has mentioned about the management policies uh, that is mainly the dialogues and even the sharing and the BCM and also the GCA or, or, or Joint Committee on Agriculture and Joint Committee on Fisheries and other multilateral cooperation mechanisms like China Asian, FLO, NACA, EAS, and the ARFE sector. I think this is the other good bilateral and multilateral platform for our management uh, policies exchanges. That is very important. And uh, by the way, the second one is uh, about the fishery resources conservation and utilization. That is uh, very important, as uh, uh, Dr. Uh, or Prof. Bobby Chuarzhen mentioned, uh, the, 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 the coastal fishery resources are depleting. Uh, depleting. So the, the, but we have a lot of millions of, of people uh, depends on the fishing. So we need to do something, uh, to do some work, like the joint survey or assessment, and even the joint exploitation of the fishery resources 
to increase the income of the local fisher folks and also the joint uh, fishing ban during the fishing breeding season because uh, this kind of the matter is proven a very effective uh, approach to uh, conserve the fishery resources and the sustainable use, utilize the fishery resources. And also even the joint committee combating the IUU fishing and to safeguard their rights of the local fishers and to scientifically, so as to the scientifically conserve and sustainable utilize the common fishery resources because the fish has no boundary. So we need to uh, cooperate to, 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 to protect or conserve the fishery resources. And the second one is the stock, uh, stock enhancement programs, such as the uh, large scale seeds production and also even the artificial releasing of the seeds to the natural water bodies, including the inland water bodies and also the, uh, the seas and, uh, and even the marine ranching and the leisure fisheries plus tourisms. So that is also a good alternative for the development of the fisheries. And also the other one is coral reef fishery conservation, seagrass bands, and also mangrove forest resources protection, etc. And the third field is poverty, elevation, and food security through aquaculture development in the coastal communities because uh, there are a lot of people live uh, uh, in along the coastal areas. And I, as I found that according to the PSA, they are, they, in 2021, there was about 19.99 million people were in poverty in the Philippines. So, and also there uh, are about uh, above 50% of the towns uh, how to located along the coastal areas. That means there are mainly, uh, even the China, there are many uh, local uh, coastal communities. They, we, 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 uh, we live on the fisheries resources, but uh, as the depletion of the resources, besides the <coughs> uh, utilization, and then we also need to do some interventions of the in aquaculture in the uh, in coastal communities to improve their livelihood. And I also leave, uh, list, uh, have listed other, other fields like aquaculture, gene uh, pole, gene pole improvement and exchanges like tilapia, carps, groupers, tuners, and lobsters. And also the scientific cooperation in breeding and hatchery of high value species, environmental friendly aquaculture, including the marine culture, brackets culture, and the freshwater aquaculture and the rare and the endangered species conservation, oyster farming and the environmental impacts, etc. And the, also the mitigating effects of the climate change and the natural disasters like the typhoon on fishery and aquaculture. And then it's about capacity building of fishery officials and the stakeholders. That is very important. And also we are willing to willing, and also we have been undertaking the international training programs. Uh, hopefully uh, the next year we, we, we can invite the fishery officials from the Philippines to come to China to get the training. Uh, and uh, also the other one is the Philippine uh, about the fishery post-harvest technologies and reduced losses and the, to increase the income of the farmers. And then the investment in aquaculture industry 
And the last one is the aquatic products marketing and trade, especially under the mechanisms of the RCEP. So that because China is a big market, uh, big market for the consumption of the seafood, I think uh, this is a very uh, good way to 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 cooperate in this field. So that's all. So that's all for my presentation. I hope uh, we'll, let's make joint efforts to promote the fishery pragmatic cooperation to benefit the, com the contributions uh, to the, our neighborly friendship and common development. Thank you. Okay, thank you, uh, Dr. Min. So, um, Professor Anna, could you make some comments? Yeah, um, before we introduce our fifth speaker, my comment is like this, no? I just, um, in, in the presentation of Dr. Ming, I've noticed that 2010 to 2016, there's no such thing as cooperation on fishery management. I think precisely because of the fact that the two countries suffered some kind of bilateral crisis, no? During those period, but you can see it, no? Um, when the two countries, when you talk about their bilateral relations are okay, it means like, you know, there's like a strong bilateral friendship between the two and the two countries are talking and engaging. You can see as well that, you know, it follows that um, um, cooperation when you talk about even in the area of fishery management, no, is there. You, you can see it after the two, from 2010 to 2016, not uh -huh. much, but from 2016, during the time of Duterte until like hopefully until this time of President Marcos, a lot of cooperation, even in terms of training, exchanges, and MOA, MOU has been signed and you have different mechanisms. So that's that's very important to take note that, you know, for us to bridge um, understanding and cooperation in different fields, the bilateral relation of the two countries has to be always in a stable relationship or it should be stable as much as possible. So that's that's very important to note, I think. So um, let's introduce our fifth speaker so that we can save time. Let me introduce um, our fifth speaker. Speaker is Mr. Adolfo Paglinawan, or simply Kaado, as he is popularly known by many of us here in the Philippines. He is a Filipino journalist, public intellectual, and business professional with extensive experience in diverse, diverse academic and professional fields. He holds an undergraduate degree in liberal arts. Uh, major in English and philosophy, Kaado has also obtained certifications in various fields of information technology at the USDA Graduate School, International Public Relations at the George Washington University, and Islama, Islamology at the Georgetown University. His active engagements in journalism and social media activism undeniably serve as training grounds in his writing and discursive prowess. Kado also served as the press attaché and spokesman of the Philippine Embassy in Washington, D.C. from 1986 to 1993 and was recalled to serve in the peace negotiating panel with the Mora National Liberation Front, or MNLF, and the Cordillera People's Liberation Army in 1987. Furthermore, Kado authored two, North, two books, noteworthy books, the first one is a problem for every solution. It's a situationer on the territorial dispute in the South China Sea. And the other one is no vaccine for a virus called racism, a survey of COVID-19 implications 
from an international perspective. I think Adolf is coming up with with his third book. No, I I will let him introduce it. He is also a host of. Ang Maestro, The Unfinished Revolution, broadcasted by Radio Pilipinas. It's a national radio station. He's also the host of an online podcast, Power Thinks, of the Global Talk News Radio, streamlined in various social media platforms like Facebook and YouTube, and one of the hosts of a television show, Opinion Ngayon, um, broadcasted in Golden Nations Network every Friday. Mr. Paglinawan is also one of the 2021 Award for Promoting Philippine China Understanding Awardees under the Major Contributions category. Likewise, he is serving as the Vice President for Internals of the Asian Century Philippine Strategic Studies Institute. Ladies and gentlemen, let us welcome Mr. Adolfo Paglinawan for his opening statement or presentation. Kaado, please take the floor. Good afternoon. The decibels of distraction provided by American lawfare and propaganda has not diminished, especially in relation to fishing activities in the South China Seas and other geopolitical concerns. This is why for this, for this paper, allow me to present the larger picture of ambitious cooperation that will benefit not just the Philippines and China, but the entire world. We are a small country, but the Philippines has the fifth largest coastline in the world at almost 23,000 miles, next to Canada, Indonesia, Norway, and Russia, and bigger than that of Japan, the United States, and China. More importantly, we are concerned, we are considered the center of global coral ecosystem biodiversity because our waters contain almost 10% of the world's coral reefs, 93% of which exists in our territorial seas up to 12 nautical miles from shore. And we have large swaths of mangrove forests and more marine protected areas than any other country, equivalent to 2% of the globe found in 100% of our coastal waters which are life-giving and vital natural resource for about 2 million registered small-scale fishers and their families who rely on these waters to provide income and food. Seemingly impossible, just 20 years ago, protein deficiency among fishing communities is now increasing at an alarming rate. Despite efforts to regulate the fishing industry, open and relatively unregulated access to marine resources has remained the norm. And that is why the current condition of fisheries in the Philippines is bleak. The local reliance on fish-based protein has driven widespread and chronic municipal overfishing. Illegal fishing 
and habitat destruction has led to fish stock decline steadily for decades, almost going three decades now, in relation to the growing population. Fishers now spend more time at sea, going further and further from home for smaller and smaller unsustainable yields. Sadly, our fish production has stagnated during the last decade because, as the numbers confirm, we are overfishing in the wrong waters, degrading our inland and coastal waters, and over-reliant, at best utilizing the traditional and indigenous basnig system or the lift nets operated by large outrigger boats. We have not invested in modern vessels and fishing gear to enable our commercial fishing to go far into the deep waters and onto our exclusive economic zones and beyond. Notably in the uncontested waters of the Benham Rice and below it, the south of the Philippine Sea and the Celebes Sea. Since it's easy to catch fish towards the direction of the South China Sea, that is where a traffic jam exists and often in conflict with fishers of other countries. In aquaculture, we have squandered our opportunities in this field for as early as 1967, when Philippines started to host the Southeast Asian Fisheries Development Center, or CIFDEC, created to ensure the sustainability of fisheries and aquaculture in 11 countries in Southeast Asia. According to Emil Javier, compared to our ASEAN neighbors, we have far less fisheries resources. Our neighbors who have far less fisheries resources than we do, with the exception perhaps of Indonesia. Our fish exports in 2015 amounted only to less than half a million US dollars, while Vietnam posted almost 3 billion and Thailand 2 billion. A 2020 chart indicates how rapid Vietnam and Thailand exports have apparently grown three, threefold in five years, overtaking even Indonesia, and the Philippines is not even in the list. So what are the few broad strokes that I would like to expound in this webinar? First, solve the Gorgian knot that ties Philippine fisheries, and immediately you solve the poverty incidents in this country. I have, since 2003, been working as a consultant to the Secretary of Agriculture and Fisheries, advocated for the legislation of a separate Department of Fisheries and Marine Resources. What we are talking about, when deliberately pursued, can make us one of the leaders in world fisheries, world fisheries trade, 
beyond achieving our fish sufficiency for our own population. But the Philippines has a feeble or weak fishing industry to speak of. We have to alleviate intense fishing pressure on the near shore stocks and minimize the over-exploitation of our municipal waters by creating incentive to commercial fishers and encouraging foreign direct investments so that we can go further into the deep seas beyond even our EEZs. Immediately, we need to conduct exploratory research on non-traditional grounds and expanded waters to determine their full biological and economic potential. Non-territorial non disputes are anticipated in the fisheries management areas designated by the Philippines 1 to 5A, which is the entire of the Philippine Sea, including Benham Rice, and below it, and the Celebes Sea. West and south of the Philippines, totaling 130 million hectares. Better service by troll fisher fishing boats from 75 to 150 footers. This includes the relatively uncharted resources of the Benham Rice and the Philippine Seas west of the Philippines. But obviously, a modest vivendi must be forged with China on areas 5B and 6, constituting 60 million hectares of what we claim in the South China Sea. Number three, such potentially massive expansion must be met with political will from the Philippine government to provide an absor absorption capacity, starting with strategic fishing hubs equipped with adequate facilities for ice plants to frozen storage, to portside canning and processing, and necessary electrification, preferably by renewal resources. While working for the Philippine Embassy in Washington, D.C. in the late 80s, I had the privilege of participating in one such huge absorptive capacity building in General Santos, a seed funded by the United States. There was nothing that followed that great endeavor. And so with China, I would like to propose six strategic hubs two in Luzon, one in Visayas, and three in Mindanao that is outlined in the working paper that I have submitted the, to the chat room. Number four, there is also an immediate need to arrest the progressive decline of fish catch in our inland and coastal waters, where fishing efforts have gone beyond sustainable levels. This is where I welcome the suggestions of Mr. Ming Huanchao especially when in government, he said, building ties in research scientific support and in business, investment to increase revenues. We need to establish more protected areas and spawning sanctuaries and resolutely enforce close fishing sessions 
to allow mature juvenile fish to grow to marketable size, and a massive educational campaign among our people to respect such new culture and way of doing business. There is also an immediate need to rehabilitate our mangroves, seagrass, and algae beds, and often soft-bottom communities. Of special concern are the coral reefs covering 27,000 square kilometers, known all over the world for being home to 533 species of corals and about 2,000 marine fish species exceeding Australia's barrier reef. But due to wanton overfishing, fish abundance has been estimated to have declined 50 down to 20 tons per square kilometer compared with 104 pristine coral reefs. Number five, compared with the aquaculture in Vietnam and Thailand, we have a long way to go in further expanding fish pens, fish cages, fish ponds in our lakes, rivers, reservoirs, and in coastal brackish waters as well as sea-based mariculture, such as one that Mr. Ming informed us in Subic Bay, this deep water cage culture base for sea bass and golden trumpet. We need to improve hatchery and grow out technologies and brood stock farms. We need to scale up research and development in biology, breeding, free production, nutrition, culture, and fish health for new species like crabs, sea bass, gropers, amelon, and maybe even Pacific blue fin tuna. And we definitely have to secure investment and provide certain areas for small fishermen and their cooperatives while providing locators with incentives like in export processing zones. Number six, there's so much upside potential for our fishery sector. However, in addition to addressing technological, ecological, and economic challenges, we need to have the appropriate fisheries policies and management systems and institutions in place. It is necessary to build and strengthen the capabilities of local governments, non-government organizations, and local communities where participation is key to every governance success. The key, number seven, challenge of the new fish series paradigm is so ambitious, our best bet for success is partnering with China on this Herculean task. The Chinese liberated 800 million of their people from the poverty line in just about 30 years. It is the only nation that has preferential option to help developing countries such as ours with the least conditionality. China is forecast to account for 38% of the fish supply for the world's human consumption by 2030. It will be foolhardy not to join that bandwagon. So let's start a deliberate cooperation now and borrow China's roadmaps. Number eight, 
In fact, even in the areas of cooperation on maritime law enforcement and cooperation in the protection of marine environment, this is where I suggest that in the absence yet of the ASEAN-China Code of Conduct, that we bilaterally move forward to join China-Philippine Coast Guard patrols, especially as we venture outside our territorial waters around the Philippines. In the light of the ASEAN century that is starting to blossom in the horizon, China has invited all nations to share its vision to build a community of shared future for mankind. Being the closest country to China with its soft belly in the South China seas to our face, I am optimistic. China will lean backward as we constructively leverage our geopolitical location to be her most important strategic partner in helping alleviate hunger in this planet. Thank you very much and good day. Thank you very much, Taado, or Mr. Adolfo Paglinawan, for that very um, enlightening and very informative um, presentation. I think um, what Taado have explained to us or shared with us is more on the problems no, and realities that you know the Philippines fishery industry is facing at the moment. No, at the same time, what he is trying to say as well, from from the way I see it, is you know with all the challenges that we have in the country, well, the Philippines, it's very important really to have a very good. Um, or for China and the Philippines to work together, or for China even to help the Philippines, no, uh, in in the fishery in the in the fishery area uh, or field, especially when you talk about you know cultivating different um, possible um, joint cooperation, as what um, also explained by Dr. Ming earlier, and I hope those um, cooperation and cooperative ventures between the two countries, not only at the state to state level, but even industry to industry level, because this is fishery, no? And when you talk about fisheries, a lot of industry as well in this country, because we are a coastal state. So I think it will also push through. And Kaado actually pointed out many steps and many, it's like a proposal on his side, what to do, um, well, what Filipinos should do, and at the same time, how we can possibly cooperate with China and and in what sense China can also be more relevant to the Philippines when you talk about fishery or the fishing industry of the country. So, yeah. Yes, Mr. Daipan. Okay, thank you. Uh, Mr. Tang Yenawang is really excellent on fishery resources. So he talks about uh, as in the situation the fish, uh, Filipino fishermen are facing growing population and also increasing exhausted fishery resources. So in this regard, he proposed the close cooperation between China and the Philippines. Please write, China has very mature fishery and breeding technology. So China and the Philippines can have deeper cooperation in the field. So maybe some coastal province in the Philippines can cooperate with, some, with our control province in um, in some, uh, I mean, breeding, um, breeding technology in the future. So maybe Dr. Uh, Min and uh, and Mr. Tanginwan can 
please share your ideas in the future. So hopefully in the future, I'm on the table of your of ordinary Filipino, except uh, milk fish, you may have more alternative. Okay, yeah. So we have our last uh, speakers, um, uh, Dr. Zhu Xuan, and she's a distinguished fellow of, uh, from GGI. Uh, she will speak on cooperation in the protection and uh, marine environment. Uh, okay, welcome, uh, Dr. Zhu Xuan. Well, thank you, Professor Dan. Well, uh, it's my great honor to attend this webinar on this important topic, the China Fibling Cooperation on Marine Environmental Protection. And my background is mainly on ocean environment policy and related international cooperation. I have been working to support the APEC ocean-related cooperation and the uh, uh, Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission meetings for the uh, past years. Uh, um, and I'd like to thank the uh, host to invite me here to speak on this topic on the China-Philippine Cooperation on Marine Environmental Protection. Uh, I'd first like to share my screen. Yeah, uh, actually, I would like to say some words about the topic in marine environment protection. Actually, we all know that in recent years, ocean conservation has become an important topic for international community. Well, only in this year, 2022, we see several high-level international conferences held focused on ocean conservation. For example, the UN Ocean Conference held in Portugal, July, and the One Ocean Summit held in France, February, and the Fifth UN Environmental Assembly held in Nairobi in March. Well, all these conferences put the protection of ocean and sustainable development in their central agenda. And heads of government, scientific institutes, and NGOs come together to discuss and think about innovative solutions to restore the ocean health. Well, um, this is the outline of my speech. I will first brief introduce the state and trend of typical marine ecosystems in East Asia and Southeast Asia. And then I will talk about briefly on the uh, global progress on ocean conservation. And then I will talk about the multi-level and the bilateral cooperation between China and the Philippines on marine environment protection. And the last, I will talk about um, some personal understandings for future cooperation. Uh, first, I'd like to show some fingers. Well, um, as our uh, previous speaker, Pro Professor Adolfo just said that um, the Southeast Asia actually is, is a hotspot of marine bi uh, biodiversity in worldwide. We can see this picture, um, the uh, left up the, the, the finger. It shows the global pattern of marine biodiversity and the red area shows that, that the Southeast Asia and East Asia displays the highest level of marine biodiversity. And we can see the second finger that for the mangroves and the South and Southeast Asia contains 40% of the world's mangrove forest with Australia having another 10%. 
Well, the third finger shows that uh, the Southeast Asia, the coral triangle area is also uh, uh, the hot points for coral reefs. It is home to more than 30% of the total 6,000 coral species. Well, actually ocean provide human societies with a lot of wealth, livelihood, and economic, uh, economic service. But actually our ocean is facing threat facing thrice. Uh, actually, nearly 20% of mangroves and sea grasses species have been identified as threatened or near threatened. Actually, the finger in the Southeast Asia is even higher. So we are facing the paradox that we see the growth in ocean economy, but at the same time, we can see rapid decline in ocean health. So it's time to have actions. Uh, well, in this slide, I can show that actually um, it's a global common understanding that we need to take actions to reserve the declining trends of ocean health. Uh, in the uh, 2022 ocean, UN Ocean Conference just held in Lisbon in this July, um, the head of states signed a declaration named Our Ocean, Our Future, Our Responsibility. Well, let's move to the next slide. Well, in this uh, declaration, actions are encouraged to address marine environmental problems such as marine pollution, marine plastic litter, climate change, biodiversity, sustainable fisheries, and call on um, states and um, other stakeholders to carry out sense-based and innovative actions and to respect the role of indigenous knowledge in ocean conservation. Um, also, states uh, and other stakeholders are encouraged to register voluntary commitments to register actions to be taken to protect the ocean. Actually, until now, there are 2,080 voluntary commitments registered at the conference web, uh, uh, website by governments, NGOs, NGOs, and other communities. Well, here I want to show some uh, examples of the voluntary commitment registered by China and the Philippines and by both sides. Uh, well, we can see that the Philippines registered the voluntary commitment to strengthen marine protected area to cancel marine key biodiversity area. And another voluntary commitment is to carry out the GEF small grant program in the Philippines. Actually, they also focus uh, on MPA management. And there are some uh, voluntary commitments registered by China, uh, like to strengthen the conservation of tropical coastal sea space, to strengthen the marine, tech, uh, marine protected area in Southeast Asia, and uh, um, to support the uh, implementation of the Yellow Sea Large Marine Ecosystem Project. This is a project uh, led by UNEP. Very interesting that I also found some uh, voluntary commitment registered by both China and the Philippines. Uh, actually, there are some commitment led by the uh, intergovernmental organizations, such as the coordinating body on the face of the East Asia, um, the Marine Title MOU, and um, uh, 
the uh, commitment registered by the UNESCO Intergovernment Oceanographic Commission to, de to develop research capacity and transfer of marine technology. We can see that the UN Ocean Conference actually provide a um, platform for both China and the Philippines, along with other countries, to share their experience on marine conservation and to make collective efforts on many aspects of marine environment. Well, another global progress, uh, I want to highlight the convening of the fifth session of the UN Environmental Assembly. Well, uh, in this conference, uh, the head of delegates uh, make a resolution named End Plastic Pollution about an internationally legally binding instrument. Well, this is a historical instrument. It opens up negotiation for the first global framework to end plastic. And according to this, um, uh, and according to this reservation, the, nego the negotiation will start this year and expected to complete in two years later. So by that time, there will be another important global framework on marine environment protection, the plastic convention. Well, um, another global framework is the UN Decade of Ocean Science for Sustainable Development. Uh, the decade starts last year, 2021, and um, will complete in 2030. Well, for 10 years, um, this decade called on all states and scientific community stakeholders to carry out scientific programs to better understand our oceans and protect our oceans. Actually, until now, there are over 200 program projects and other contributions um, registered by government and stakeholders under this framework. It's also a framework um, that China and the Philippines can participate. Then I'll talk about the multi-level cooperation. First, um, I'll uh, give some information about the regional framework for environmental protection. And then I will talk about regional cooperation activities in other forums, like in the APEC forum and the China ASEAN forum. Actually, um, the regional actions to protect marine environment starts from uh, 1990s, we can say that with support of UNEP, uh, the project named Reversing Environmental Degradation Trees in the South China Sea and the Gulf of Thailand started in, 2000, uh, in 1996. It is participated by the Cambodia, China, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, Thailand, and Vietnam. The main output of this project is a strategic action program with directions, actions to support countries, to get countries to protect the marine environment in the uh, South China Sea and Gulf Thailand. Also, it encouraged uh, states to submit national action plans to protect coral reefs, mangroves, and seagrass. Well, another regional intergovernment organization is named the Co Coordinating Body for the Seas of the East Asia. It's also supported by UNEP, the COMSE. It is established in 1993, and um, it is participated by nine countries in this region. And it's the intergovernmental mechanism to support the implementation 
of the East Asian Seas Action Plan. It's an action plan fixed on the pollution control, uh, marine coastal planning, uh, and, uh, and uh, climate change. Well, the 2018 and 2022 strategic plan, uh, strategic, uh, strategic direction of the COMPC include the land-based marine pollution, coastal planning and management, and regional governance on marine ocean uh, marine environment protection. Uh, another intergovernmental organization in this region is PMC, the Partnerships in Environment Management for the Seas of East Asia. It is also initiated in, 2000, uh, in 1993, and until now, it has 11 country partners and 20 non-country partners. A major focus of PMC is the integrated coastal management. It has built an ICM uh, network, including local government in many countries of Southeast Asia. Well, we can say that in 1990s, actually the main problem facing by uh, Southeast Asia is marine pollution and the conflicted uses of the sea areas. So in this time, the priorities of regional marine environment protection is pollution control, uh, integrated coastal management, and to promote ecosystem-based management. Well, um, here I want to talk about some of the uh, cooperation acts between, um, between China and the Philippines under the APAC framework. In APAC, uh, the major working group to deal with ocean-related issue is the Ocean and Fishery Working Group. Well, um, now the working group has three pillars, the uh, blue economy, the marine debris, and um, the fishing problem, the fishing management. Actually, blue economy has become a priority of APAC since 2010. And um, China and the Philippines both, imp uh, both implemented projects on blue economy. Well, in 2014, the Philippines reported their progress on valuing blue economy uh, using a Philippines lens. And also they shared their experience on marine protected areas and its contribution to the blue economy. Um, and in uh, this area, China actually held six APEC blue economy forums from 2011 to 2021. The sixth blue economy forum just held last year. Uh, after years of collective efforts, APEC has reached a policy plan, the APEC high-level policy dialogue on food security and blue economy plan of action in 2015. And that year, is uh, the Philippines host the year of APAC. So the, the agreement on this policy plan is highly supported by the Philippines. Uh, another priority in APAC ocean-related collaboration is marine debris. Uh, in 2014, APAC established the APAC Wushu Working Group on Marine Debris to find solutions, to find the innovative solutions to deal with land-based uh, with land-based uh, pollution. 
there are many workshops, training shops on marine debris under the APAC framework. And uh, in 2019, APAC agreed on the APAC roadmap on marine debris. And uh, it pointed out directions for future cooperation, like to um, engage the private sectors uh, to apply new technologies and to strengthen uh, infrastructure development. Well, blue economy is also a hot topic in the China ASEAN cooperation. In 2019, uh, China raised to build the China ASEAN partnership on blue economy and to promote blue economy development in the area of marine, uh, marine environment protection, marine technology, and marine industry development. Actually, after that, in, 2020, in 2020 and 2021, China and other countries held two Yakata Forum on exploring China as a partnership for blue economy, uh, promoted the experience sharing on blue economy. Uh, last year, 2021, uh, the ASEAN leaders endorsed the ASEAN leaders' declaration on blue economy. Uh, in this declaration, blue economy is understood as a sustainable, resilient, and inclusive use government management and conservations of oceans, seas, as well as marine resources for economic growth. And uh, it encouraged other countries to explore areas related to ocean conservation, such as to co cooperate on the environment protection, on IOU fishing, marine and coastal ecosystem protection, on fishing practice, on sustainable production and consumption, also to address the problem of marine pollution, marine litter, plastic, and to promote coastal tourism and heritage conservation and strengthen capacity building. Well, actually, uh, Athens also had a history to cooperate on marine debris. In 2017, um, the Athens countries held the Athens Conference on reducing marine debris in the Athens region. As the outcome of this conference, it's later de uh, developed into the Athens framework of action on marine debris. Uh, it has pro priority areas such as policy support and planning, research innovation capacity building, public awareness, education outreach, and private sector in engagement. And in 2018, in the uh, 13th East Asia Summit, the East Asia Summit leaders agreed on the East, Summit, uh, East Asia Summit leader statement on combating marine plastic debris. Only one year later, the uh, Asia Summit agreed on the ben uh, Bangkok Declaration on combating marine debris in Asian region. We can see that marine debris are gaining increasing attention uh, by ASEAN countries, and China also like to promote cooperation in this important area in marine debris monitoring, marine debris uh, research, and microplastic monitoring and prevention. 
Well, um, uh, many speakers, previous speakers talk about the um, Philippines-China bilateral consultation mechanism on the South China Sea, the BCM mechanism. Um, well, in the uh, it held six meetings um, until 2021. It has three working groups, and the third working group is about marine environment protection and marine scientific research. And this working group, China and the Philippines, has great potentials to explore the possible areas and uh, pathways to deepen cooperation on marine environment protection. Also, marine environment protection is mentioned in the joint statement between China and the Philippines in 2018. Uh, in, paragraph 20, in paragraph 27, it is said that uh, both sides agreed to strengthen existing cooperation mechanisms, agreed to cooperate in the implementation of relevant international maritime instrument to ensure the safety of life at sea, the marine environment protection and human resource development. We can say that marine, environment, marine environmental protection is a key part of the joint statement. And um, well, the uh, last part of my speech is about the future directions between China and the Philippines. Uh, first, I would say that the uh, marine, protect, marine environment protection cooperation should be multi-level. Uh, it could be intergovernment and it could be it could involve private enterprises, and we can also encourage the institute and think tanks to contribute to this important area. Also, it could it should be inclusive. We should engage more with private sectors and investors and cooperate with civil societies like to, uh, like to raise the awareness of marine environment, the outreach and education activities. Potential corporate areas, uh, I, I highlight some three potential corporate areas here. The first one is marine debris, including microplastic. Um, we can promote collective monitoring, prevention and clean up of marine debris uh, in the coastline of China and the Philippines. And we can have research projects to promote the sustainable production and conception. Also, uh, another uh, corporate area is blue economy. China and the Philippines could uh, strengthen cooperation under the framework of China ASEAN Partnership on Blue Economy. And we can also make use of the APEC Blue Economy Forum and the APEC Blue Economy Pilot Projects. Under these mechanisms, China and the Philippines could exchange experience and have concrete actions on uh, blue economy development. The third uh, area is the joint scientific research. Um, the China and the Philippines could have the uh, joint scientific research on marine environmental and biological survey as the understanding of the uh, ocean is the basis for the uh, in-depth production and the conservation, uh, we should uh, strengthen the cooperation on scientific research. The last uh, um, potential area is the capacity development. Here, 
I want to talk about the marine scholarship of China. Uh, it's open to candidates from developing countries and the ASEAN area is a key area of this scholarship. We support candidates to, uh, to study ocean-related major in China's universities. And the candidate from Philippines is highly welcomed by this scholarship. And China held training workshops on marine debris management, sustainable agriculture, marine protected area, and act on an annual basis. And uh, we all welcome the candidate, the experts from Philippines to attend the training workshops. Uh, well, also this year, China launched the Sustainable Blue Partner Cooperation Network. This is a network organized by the World Economic Forum and the China Oceanic Development Foundation. And uh, it is expected to be a platform to facilitate multi-stakeholder cooperation on blue partnership, uh, include governments uh, and NGOs, scientific communities, and civil society to participate. Well, um, actually under this uh, cooperation network, we have 16 uh, partnership principles to deal with climate change problem, to reducing pollution, uh, to promote the sustainable use of marine resources and promoting blue growth. I think this network could be a useful platform for China and the Philippines, for China and the Philippines to deepen the uh, cooperation on marine environment protection. Well, uh, that's all for today. Uh, thank you for all the experts. And it's also a good opportunity for me to learn uh, the knowledge about marine, protected, marine environment protection and about the China-Philippine cooperation. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Dr. Zhu. Uh, so both the Philippines and China are facing the threats from climate change. So the Philippines as an archipelago country with thousands of islands, especially as fragile before environment uh, degradation. So marine environment protection, as Dr. Zhu said, is a world affair that we can have deeper cooperation to also explore the possible uh, cooperation from the perspective of global and regional cooperation. So it seems that we have a bright future in maritime cooperation. So uh, Professor Anna, could you give some comments to Dr. Zhu? Uh, yes, um, I just um, noticed that in her, in her presentation that um, there are a lot of um, multilateral and, and even ASEAN level, regional level of um, cooperation and, you know, mechanism by which countries like the Philippines and China could cooperate when you talk about um, marine um, environmental protection. And I think uh, one also very prominent in, in her discussion is the blue economy, which is basically, I think it's all about sustainable um, economy, you know, trying to protect the marine environment, even though we're trying to utilize those um, resources in there. Um, this is a the, the presentation of the uh, was very informative in many ways because even I myself, I really don't know all of these things. So I've learned a lot from her presentation that you know um, 
the marine environmental protection is not necessarily isolated from the climate change um, problem or even the whole um, the the challenge in addressing global um, environmental issues. So it's it's there, and I think these are mechanisms by which um, Philippine-China cooperation. When you talk about environmental protection, marine environmental protection can be strengthened and probably can be intensified as well. So that's my um, take uh, on on the presentation. Um, yes, um, I think we can. It's already four for four fourteen, and we have consumed two hours of the time. But I think we can open the floor for more for question and answer. Um, it means open forum from our um, friends who are attending this um, webinar. If there are questions, please um, let us know and please type it in the chat box. Okay, uh, we can conclude the, the webinar, and but let me ask one question because I think this is important. Uh, wait, let me check my question here. Ah, here. Um, earlier, there was a mention of the G, J, J, JCF mechanism and BCMs. No? Are there any new development on this mechanism? Um, no thus far at this time around that there was a change in administration in the Philippines from the Duterte administration to the Marcos administration. I, I think very important for our side to know if there are on the side of, of China, if you know any development on the BCM per se, and even the mechanism on the joint uh, cooperation on the fishery, uh, just for us to know if, you know, um, we are expecting some kind of meetings in a matter of time between the two countries. Um, I think um, Dr. Yan Yan and Professor uh, Dr. Ming was the one who explained this. Yes, I, uh, thank you. Um, um, actually, I have high hopes on this me BCM mechanism. I personally think that the Chinese foreign ministry has uh, uh, wanted to continue this mechanism as a um, government level of uh, umbrella mechanism that can host all these uh, uh, working group meetings and committees that can uh, pave the way for future um, bilateral maritime cooperation. Um, I think that maybe um, the uh, the new president, uh, Marcos government, maybe uh, need some time to consider and how to uh, need to consider how to arrange the future BCMs. So, uh, but I, I I personally have uh, have confidence in the uh, in the, in the new government, and I. Think that uh, um, the, the future BCMs will be continued. It's my sincere hope. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Yan Yan. Um, on, the G, uh, on the joint cooperation on fishery, um, are there any uh, development at the moment? Okay, up to now, because of the uh, COVID-19, and uh, I'm not sure the, 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 the progress. Actually, the fourth JCF meeting should be held in, tw in 2021 in Philippines, but due to the COVID-19, it's just the potent. But I also, as Dr. Yan Yan mentioned, I, 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 we are confident that the the, the both sides from the Ministry of Agriculture and Department of Agri Agriculture, especially DAB FAR, they, they view, uh, will promote 
the this kind of mechanisms to help this meeting because this is a very important mechanisms to uh, promote the fishery sector cooperation. And uh, we uh, we hope under the administration of uh, President Marcus, we will we will we will promote this uh, cooperation mechanisms on fishery sector. Um, okay. Um, before we conclude, because I'll be the one who will be delivering the closing remarks, I have last question addressed to everyone, all, all our experts. No, um, how how confident are you, and and what are your thoughts? Um, on the uh, basically on the cooperation between the two countries, the Philippines and China, when you talk about um, fishery and when you talk about environmental protection and of course maritime security, um, what would it entail for for the two countries to continue and to be more sustainable in its you know in its dialogue and and trying to forge a very stable relationship between the two. In, on these areas like fishery management, um, marine environmental protection, and also maritime security. So I just want to have a, a, um, for each one of the speaker, especially the, the, the expert to, to give their thoughts. And then from there, I will try to close, I will close the webinar. Uh, it, was, uh, it was quite exciting to listen to the presentations of our Chinese friends. Uh, our Chinese colleagues. I uh, this is honestly this is the first time that I am able to know that there have been lots of potential areas of cooperation between the Philippines and China. Not to mention between China and ASEAN. Uh, I am amazed at the uh, development of the. Uh, the concept of uh, the blue economy, uh, the protection of the marine environment, uh, the cleaning up of the ocean debris and other fields. And uh, although my concern, however, is that uh, much of the talk and discussion about these issues has been on the level of summits and conferences. I would have wanted to know how such talk discussions and probably agreements have been translated into actual accomplishments and ongoing projects. <coughs> now, now with regard to the uh, potential of uh, more and greater cooperation between the Philippines and China, uh, on uh, the fishery sector, on environment, on probably even on in agriculture. Well, you know that the president uh, has assumed the position of the uh, as secretary of agriculture. Although two days ago he appointed uh, an acting full-time secretary by the name of Domingo Panganiban. And uh, this is the point that I was trying to raise last time during my short talk, that uh, it is unfortunate that through the years and even decades of cooperation between the Philippines and China, uh, such level of cooperation has met uh, hiccups and uh, and humps along the way 
and mentioned, for instance, that during the whole uh, administration of uh, Aquino III from 2010 to 2016, no such cooperation was uh, was present, you know, uh, and it took, of course, the uh, the presidency of Duterte and now uh, Marcos to entertain uh, new plans and, and agreements on maritime cooperation. So that's my point, uh, and that and that is the reason why I was saying that rather than just rely on the government. Rather than just rely on state-to-state -state, uh, relations, we should we should here strengthen people-to-people -people exchanges and think tank exchanges because these are permanent and they have lasting. Uh, they last longer compared to the uh, in the case of the Philippines succession of. Uh, from one president to the next, from one policy to another policy, you know. Uh, and uh, as long as we are able to develop cooperation at our level, uh, the people's level, at the think tank level, and the academics level, uh, we can unite and uh, agree on uh, how to consolidate our cooperation to push forward any proposals, policy proposals, and um, press the government to act, especially the Philippine government to do something about that. We have a vibrant civil society organization in the Philippines. We have, a, we have something like, you know, uh, more than 50,000 NGOs. You will be surprised at this number. Why are there many NGOs in the Philippines? Because the government doesn't do its uh, job. So we do our job. The, the NGOs do the job that the government doesn't do. The responsibilities that they, that they are not doing. It is quite a frustrating, but you know, action starts with uh, some realities. Uh, it, it is when we realize about the truth of the uh, internal political conditions in the Philippines that we will be able to plan something and do something. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Professor Bobby. Anyone who, who wants to have a last, um, last input before I close the whole webinar? Me? If there's, yes. Yes, Dr. Yan Yan, please. Thank you, Chair. Um, because I I, I, did, uh, I I did listen very carefully of what my Philippine friends said just now. And I think that uh, there are another two points that I wanted to make. The first is that I do agree with uh, uh, with my Filipino friends that the uh, South China Sea dispute, the sovereignty issues, the uh, uh, maritime delimitation issues are still um, uh, blocked away to some of the maritime cooperation projects between us. And I do wanted to say that um, um, I personally don't see that the South China Sea um, dispute can be resolved in the very near future, uh, but we still need to move on. We still need to pave the way to build trust and confidence and pave the way for future settlement of the dispute. And this is how uh, maritime cooperation can help. Um, so pending the dispute uh, settlement, we still need to uh, 
uh, build trust and confidence um, using uh, in all these three areas that we have already just mentioned. And uh, my second point is that, um, and I do also agree with many of my Filipino friends that just now, because the uh, uh, this whole South China Sea cooperation is under this China-U.S. Um, geopolitical competition. It's a, it's a, it's a whole, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a, it's an environment. It's a background here in the South China Sea. So I do realize that with the U.S. Um, involvement in the in the South China Sea, um, it, the Quad, the um, the uh, Indo-Pacific strategy, and also with a very very tight, uh, very tight. Uh, very close security ties between the Philippines and, and, and the United States. There will be obstacles from the uh, extra-regional countries uh, for the future uh, cooperation between China and the Philippines. So I think that the point I wanted to make is that um, the country, the, the people, I mean, in the Philippines and in Manila and also in Beijing, we must be uh, fully aware of what is best for us. And um, I think the, uh, the the prosperous and the uh, peace and stability are in our own hands. So this is the second point I wanted to make. And um, the, finally, I really wanted to say that I agree with, with my friends uh, saying that the people to people talk and communication is just very important and it continues to be bear um, importance in the future um, cooperations, no matter um, which government is you know, is, is taking place. So, and I look forward to the future uh, Marcos um, government to uh, to uh, continue the new uh, BCM talks in the future. So that's my final talk. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Yanyan. Anyone else before I close the webinar? Okay. If, okay, if there's none, okay, let me deliver the closing remarks, no? For, for, for this webinar. Um, with, to my, um, my co-chair and moderator of this um, webinar, Dr. Uh, Mr. Daipan, thank you very much for, uh, for hosting it with me. And it's very nice to have someone, um, you know, trying to synthesize every presentation. And I appreciate that very much to the different um, organizers of, of the webinar. Um, I just want to mention them, um, GGI or the Global Governance Institution, um, also the Asia, the Asian Century Philippine Strategic Studies Institute, um, GTNR, EDC, and also um, 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 our official media partner, the Manila Times. Um, thank you very much for the opportunity uh, extended to all of us for having this webinar. Uh, I have only three points in my closing statement no, um, and my closing remarks. First is maritime security and safety. It's critical for promoting trade flows and the sustainability of economic growth of countries in the region, um, of course, including China and and the Philippines. Maritime security in the region is considered as a very important um, issue that I hope both countries will um, try to persevere in, in, in forging cooperation and understanding uh, on this matter. Another thing that I would want to re-emphasize is that I have the same um, statement uh, no, and, or, or, or perception or sentiment um, with that of Dr. Yanyan and the rest of our 
panel of experts that, you know, um, when you talk about sovereignty and sovereign rights issues, these are high politics, these are emotional issues that I think will never be solved anytime soon, or it's not something that can be solved overnight. These are things that can, that will be solved in a matter of time through dialogue and through constant communication between the two sides. And even when you talk about the South China Sea, it's not just between the Philippines and China. There are other claimant states that are part of it. And it's a disputed area that this... We need to be very clear that it's not just between China and the Philippines. You have Vietnam in there. You have other claimant states. Even Malaysia is part of it. No, so we need to broaden our understanding on these issues. And I think um, for for mutual understanding between the two countries to be facilitated more and to be deepened, I think we should focus on low politics. When you talk about low politics, I think this is more on um, what we have discussed today, um, joint fishery management in the South China Sea or in any areas for that matter that, you know, in the region. And also environmental protection. This is not just concerning the Philippines and China. It's actually a global issue. Climate change is a global issue. Environmental protection is a global issue. I think China and the Philippines should cooperate more on this and and, and, and try to um, bridge understanding and probably joint activities. And also maritime security, again, is important. So we are neighbors, China and the Philippines. I think we could facilitate more cooperation between neighbors rather than, you know, trying to have um, other external forces that are very far from our region. And also, I think we should try to focus more on, 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 on these things rather than on geopolitics. Um, the competition between China and the United States is there. I think countries like the Philippines should understand that, you know, we should not be um, getting involved in this uh, no, um, great power rivalry because we're just a, a small country. And I think that is not to the advantage of the Philippines. I think the Philippines should focus more on establishing cooperation with um, neighboring countries like China and even ASEAN countries and even the rest of the Indo-Pacific region countries. No? So I think that's that's much my take on, on this issue. So ladies and gentlemen, friends and colleagues, our forum has come to an end on behalf of the organizers. Thank you again for participating. And I hope that we see you again in our next um, GGI and other uh, think tanks, uh, incorporation of other think tanks forum. And we hope that you have learned something from this webinar. And we thank all of our experts and speakers for sharing their knowledge and expertise and and we would like to see you again. And hopefully this will not be just a webinar. No, sometimes probably in the near future, we can have really a forum that we are physically present and we can communicate more. And again, thank you and have a pleasant afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much. And thank you, Captain Andy, as well for organizing this forum. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good afternoon, everyone. This is the end of the second part of the webinar on China-Philippines Maritime Economic Cooperation Forum. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy our program. Please do follow and subscribe this channel, The Global Governance Perspective. You could also follow us on our Twitter and Facebook to write your comments. Look forward to your joining us next time.